Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good evening, welcome to Liverpool's Great Games. It's me, Chris Brack, it's him, Kevin Sullivan, and we are sponsored by bookmakers.com. They are bookmakers, and they give you all the best odds. All the details are in the description below. Kev, how are you doing? Oh, good, good. Not too bad. It's been a while since we've been on, so... I know. Uh, to be honest, it would be lovely if we were on and a load of stuff had happened in the week, but nah, not a lot. It's all been quiet. I don't know if it's happened in the football world, anyway. But... Well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> There is that, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a quiet. But I'll be honest, it's always quiet this time of year. Yeah, you don't see loads of my stuff early on. You know, everyone wants all, all done early, but very few deals are done this early in the window. Very, very few. Yeah, there's, there's some bits and bobs. Bit, some bits and bobs have been happening. Look, we'll get onto it in the second half of the show. Um, there's going to be plenty of gossip to be chatting about and getting on with. But to be honest. We asked the guys in the chat last time we were doing this, doing a game, uh, what ones do you want to talk about? And this one was one of the first ones to come to come up. And it was the 1987-88 season. Uh, Liverpool 5, Nottingham Forest 0. And so to, put this, to put this into context, no spoilers for this, but um, when this game was being played, I was four. So my memory <laughs> of this is I don't have one. I have seen the goals because we've talked about them. I've looked at the goals, the, the, the very nice goals. I'm going to let you drive this because, quite frankly, mate, I can't tell you much about it other than I've seen the goals on YouTube. And I know Forrest, well, I know Forrest were a good, yeah, Forrest were a very good side around them. Uh, and Liverpool were a bit, like you said, were a bit of a transition, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I was, you were only four. I was, what? 42. <laughs> 72, 82, and five. I was 15, and we just emigrated to America. So Ooh. in this season, I literally never saw a damn thing, nothing. When I was living over there at that time, obviously no internet, but there was no media coverage of football at all. There was nothing in the newspapers. There was nothing on TV or radio or anything. So the only thing you used to get was the Sunday papers had the football results in it. So I used to scour them for that. And at the time, I remember seeing this result and thinking, wow, that's big. Because before I'd left, right the way through the 80s, really, Nottingham Forest and Liverpool were two of the best footballing sides in the country. And whenever they played, it was always a proper football game. 
you know, mm. proper passing. You, it was very rare you'd have the ball launched in the air, you know, playing like you know Wimbledon style football or traditional eighty style football. Really, it it wasn't about. And when Liverpool Forest played, it, it generally turned up into good football matches. And this one was arguably the best of the lot from our perspective because I mean to put it into context, um, we we had a quick look at the fixture list. Thinking yeah. like, I'm sure the plays were quite close together. From the 2nd of April, Liverpool played Forest at Forest Ground in the league, got beat 2-1, only there at the time, third defeat that was of the third. season. They then, in, on the 4th of April, drew 3-3 at Ampere against United. Then the 9th of April, we knocked Forest out of the FA Cup semi-final. And then on the 13th, we had this game. So we basically played Forest three times in 11 days. Yeah. Which is, again, um, a bit of a weird quirk. You don't, see, you don't see things like that very often. You don't, but what you also do, have to remember, I think at the time the first division had was it twenty? Did it have twenty two sides or twenty four sides, something like that? Something like that. And the the fixtures were generally, genuinely, were random, randomized, not like t- today where they're picked Four, with, uh, football, 21, with football. Twenty one teams. Twenty one teams was forty games. Yeah. So I mean, to, to put this down, forty games. Jesus wept. And then you had the League Cup, you had the Europe. Well, we would have had European Cup, and you would have had the FA Cup on top of that. So players playing fifty plus games in an era where there was only two subs. You no, know, two subs. So you can imagine how fit these guys, and they were drinking the back off it as well. Like you know, these yeah. these guys were living their best life. You know, as as a spoil footballers with uh, a city at their at their feet money in their pocket to burn but it was mental but I'm just looking at the lineups for this one right you had Bruce Grobler and goal then you had Gary Gillespie Gary Ablett Steve Nichol Nigel Spatman Alan Hansen was captain on the day and then you had Peter Beersley John Aldridge Ray Houghton John Barnes Steve McMahon and on the bench we had Craig Johnston and Jan Mulby and uh, Doug Leash was the manager at the time as well. What's the bad side? Not a bad side, that really, is it? It was a really good side. And the thing is, it was um when you think about it, you had they were transitioning away from the like the they changed the full the fullbacks, they'd gone away from Mark Lawrenson as a centre back partner for Alan Hansen. They were changing midfield as well with um Steve McMahon coming in. You had John Alders playing up front. You know, it was new. You just signed you did, Peter Beardsley and John Barnes were all new to the oh, club. The John, the John Barnes set up for, for the, I think, is it the Aldridge goal? It is ridiculous. Outrageous, but um, looking at the Forest, the Forest side, you have Steve Sutton and goal, Steve Chettle, Stuart Pierce, Des Walker, Colin Foster, Terry Wilson, Clough. Gary Crosby, Neil Webb, Nigel Clough, Lee Glover, and Brian Rice. And Sorry, it's, it the, was it's, like, the, it's the base of the goal he sets up. Sorry, Barnes, not the ultra job. I'm going to be something next yeah. And the thing is, it was one of those games. It's like with the other game that we're going to talk about later on. The keepers in this game. Liverpool were majestic in this game. They were, Tom Finney said it was the single best performance he'd ever seen in his entire life of watching and playing football. And Tom Finney had literally seen everything from. 50s, right the way through Brazil in the 70s, the IX sides of the mid-70s with Cruyff, all the way through the 80s. And he said, this one game, this performance, he said, was the single best 
performance from a football side that he had ever seen in his life. And when you go back and watch the goals in this game, and you watch some of the saves that um, Sutton made, it, it was five nil on the day, but it could argue have been it could arguably easily have been eight or nine. You know, and this was no mug side that Forest Forest on the day. You know, they were a good side, and it started off. You know, the first goal, John Barnes for Ray Houghton. It was a quick one-two in the edge of the box, and Houghton just took a touch and chipped the keeper coming out onto him. And it was it was almost a case because we were only at the time I think we were four points away. We needed four points to win the league, and they'd just beaten us a few days beforehand. Yeah, we beat them in the cup, but they would turned us over in the league. So you're at that time of the season. You know what I mean? Where it's really nervy, and if anything's going to go wrong. It's getting over the line type of season. Yeah, it's 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 the hard it's the hard yards. And there were we watched the highlights of this before before the game, before we come on. And for how good the goals were, some of the play, the interplay and the the efforts that they missed was just as good. It it was just sublime football. John Aldridge for the second goal, Peter Beersley picked him out from inside his own half with a slide rule pass with his right foot. Into his run, all Aldridge did really was he waited for Sutton to come out from to rush out, and Aldridge chipped him from probably about a yard inside the penalty box and made it 2 0. And we're going in at 2 0 at half time, and it could have been five then. And come out the second half, Gary Gillespie gets a third, and he does that celebration where he's like pointing towards um Ganford Road end. Uh, it's 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 a fa- pretty famous picture if you see it. It's um, you recognise it straight away when you see it. Uh, Peter Beardsley scored the fourth off John Barnes cutting in off the wing. He nutmegged Steve Chettle, evaded Crosley with a slide tackle, and cut it back to the edge of the box. And Beardsley slid it in. But for me, the fifth goal, the fifth goal was outrageous. It was John Alder scored it, but. It was all made with um, Peter Beardsley laid on a ball to Nigel Spackman. Spackman then just cut it across to Aldridge to tap it in. It was just a brilliant football goal. It was just sublime football all the way through. And for me, you know, looking back, I I enjoyed that one. I've watched that game back now, I'd say about half a dozen times, half a dozen times today, you know, just watching the goals and just watching the bits and bobs of the game. The disturbing thing for me watching that highlights of that was seeing the fences around the ground because this was all pre Hillsborough. This was all before anything happened. It was um, it was it was a, a chilling reminder as to where we were as a club and how good we were, but what was coming. You know, if there is, it was just one of those. But I also saw a picture. I don't know if any of you guys are on Twitter and you saw it. It was a picture of Anfield in 1989 to Anfield today. And when you look back at Anfield then, it was, I think the attendance for that game was like 38, 39,000, something like that. And when it's finished, it's going to be 61,000. And, you know, it's still in the same spot. Unlike an awful lot of other clubs who've built their grounds up and up and up. They moved. They've had to move because they can only do so much. We're still in the same place, and 
I'd encourage anyone, go back and just type in Liverpool 5, Nottingham Forest nil. There's extended highlights on there. I think they're about 8, 10 minutes long. Just sit back. The commentary is brilliant as well. The commentary is absolutely brilliant. Uh, just sit down and enjoy it. And it's just some fantastic football. We were really good. And that was the year we lost the FA Cup final to Wimbledon. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. We've done everything. We we done everything. And, you know what was it? What was that line? The Culture Club. Uh, it means the crazy gang. The great, the, yeah, the crazy gang beat the Culture Club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, on another, uh, on a, another thing, Kenny has a few more doubles under his belt. You know, he's a, he's a little unlucky he's got a few doubles. Yeah, I mean, when you think what Anfield looks like, so I remember going to Anfield in '94. That was my first game in the cop. But when you looked at what the Anfield Road end looked like back then. It's all different colour seats. Yeah. All random, like orange section, yellow section. Orange, like yellow, green, blue. Yeah, there's all one, there's one tier then. But you, you think, yeah. when you're back now, thinking, that looks shit. Why? Are we <laughs> why it didn't matter. It was, but, but it was pre TV era, wasn't it? It was yeah, the pre TV era. But at the time, you're thinking, like, but yeah, why did you do all the seats red? It's only the cheapest to buy a load of red seats that do different colours. It's like they got a deal oh, for bits. The <laughs> other thing, the kit. The Liverpool oh, kit back then. It was crown paints. It was red with the white pinstripe. Yeah. It was short, short shorts from short shorts town. I think, I, I think I've got it one of those. I think I've got. I think I've got that as a retro shirt from one Liverpool from Liverpool shop. I, I like that kit. So that is a it nice is kit. a proper kit. I love that one, uh, but I love that one in white. I, yeah, I, nice I think one. that one in white is a beautiful kit. Not keen on the, Go back and keen, watch it. Enjoy not it. The shorts. Not keen on the shorts. I'm going to be honest. The shorts is a bit of a no no. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody wants to see but, that. Uh, surprisingly, that season as well, Everton did the double over Liverpool that season. Yeah, yeah. So we lost to Everton twice. We lost to Forest the week, a couple of a week and a half before we beat them. And then we lost to Wimbledon in the cup final. And when you yeah. think about the volume of games that were played in that season, that's mad. Yeah, that is, is absolutely insane. With everything that went with it, the fact that you were playing on heavy pitches, you were playing... I think the only advantage was it wasn't a World Cup. It wasn't a year that led into a World Cup. But at the end of that season, it ran into the Euros. The mm-hmm. 1988 European Championships were at the end of that season. So as Ireland were sat there, we were looking at, we had Ray Houghton, we had Ronnie Whelan, you had John Aldridge. You had all of these players playing for top, top clubs. You know, with Liverpool and we had players playing in the top clubs in Europe. And that was our first time going to a tournament. Was in the '88 in Germany, and who put the ball in the England net? So <laughs> was the song that went out. And uh, there's a brilliant video of that as well. Ray yeah. Houghton in the back of the car. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's move on then. So we're, we're going to go to 10th of March 2009, 2009, and it is the Champions League first knockout round, second leg, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. So a bit of background. Two weeks early to early to this, Liverpool had gone to the Bernabeu, one one nil with a Yossi Benin header. You know, yeah. classic classic goal. And in the away get leg, I think Gerard plays about three minutes because he's coming back from injury, so he doesn't really play. And as was Liverpool's way, we then go and lose to Middlesbrough two 0 because you know. Beat Real Madrid, you may as well lose to Middlesbrough. Because we always lost to fucking Middlesbrough. I hated playing Middlesbrough. There were no sides. As a side, I never want to come back up. Because it's too rubbish against Mad, them. isn't it? No, we beat Sunderland. And then, so okay, to this game, uh, I was lucky to be at this game. Um, so you went in thinking like, 
keep this tight, see how it goes. But I mean, the Liverpool side at the time had Pepe Reina in goal. Then the fullbacks were Arbeloa and Aurelio, Carragher and Skirtle as the two. And then we had Steven Gerrard, Xavi Alonso, Javier Maserano, Babel, Torres, Kaut. So in this, um, Babel's left, Kaut was right, and Gerrard's in his free roll behind Torres. So, yeah. you know, I mean, this is. When you look at that, that's a really good side, to be fair. Yeah. Where, where Liverpool struggled, and this is what ultimately why they didn't win the league, was the bench is Diego Carvalho's backup goalkeeper, Australia, uh, Desena, Sammy Hippier. Young Martin Kelly, Lucas Leiva, who's very young also tonight, Jay Spearing and David Engo. That yeah. was the bench. There was no Yossi Benny. I think he was injured for this one. Uh, Albert Riera wasn't available. And Albert Riera, actually, this is his first year, but actually did quite well for Liverpool. But I mean, Liverpool this year, to put it into context, uh, finished second on 86 points uh, to United side that got 90. And I would say Liverpool were lucky in terms of, I think that was the best. Ferguson era side. I think the 0809 going into the 0910 period. I think yeah. that was. That, I think that was his greatest squad that he ever built. I think. I think it pisses over the 99 side. They're not done. Was that trouble. the front three that he had? Tevez, Berbatov, Rooney, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Back yeah. four was like Evra, Neville, Vidic, Ferdinand. Carrick was playing yeah. for him. You know, it was a. It's a very workmanlike midfield, but either end was Fandasar and goal. It was just yeah. exquisite. Was yeah. He was so that's what you call it. Okay, so you saw Liverpool bring on David and Goggs to try and win a game and they're bringing on Burbs off. It's just it's just like you know, it's like a different game, isn't it? You know, yeah, so. it is. But you, you were there. Madrid side was good, like we were good. I must admit, I was when we won there, I remember the one that went over there, you were ecstatic thinking, fucking hell, winning there, because you know, this Madrid had Robin, it had Raul at his peak, uh Gago, who's a decent player, Carvalho, Gabriel Heinze, Ike Casillas was probably at the time the best keeper in the world, comfortably. Easily. Easily. You know, but we, this is the side they picked. So Ike Casillas in goal, Pepe, Ramos, and this one Ramos played right back, Carvalho, yeah. Heinze, uh, Diara, Gago, Schneider, Raul, Robin, Higuain, and they brought on a young Marcelo, who played for age for a young Rafael van der Vaart and Goosey. They're the players that brought on. That was what they had. You know, this this is... Will it go down to the greatest Real Madrid side? No. Fucking good one, though. But it was <laughs> a good one. It was so, a good one. So you were thinking, like, Jesus Christ, let's see. So, typical way we played under Rafa, all we were thinking was, do a fast start. Because Liverpool's tactic in Europe when the Rafa was, hit him in the first 20 and see what happens. And Torres does the best Cruyff turn you've ever seen to get a shot off. And the save from Ike Casillas, which we say quite a lot in this game, is with his feet was brilliant. He's yeah. thinking, okay, that, that's a bit of intensive. That, that turn was done on Fabio Cannavaro. And we were discussing before we came on, Fabio Cannavaro at the time, I think was either nominated or he was, he oh, won he the World Player of the Year. Yeah, he was ridiculous. I, he was hands down the best centre-back in the world. And he was yeah. five foot eight, and but Torres left him on a sixpence. But this, when you look at the Real Madrid side and the fact that we had Torres and Javi Alonso, mm. Spain were a year away from winning the World Cup. Mm. So these players that were in both sides 
were on the verge of becoming one of the greatest World Cup sides ever. You know, so they weren't Mickey Mouse this, the, this is the Euros that they won because it, it's what England. This would England qualify the Wally of the Burley. Yeah, yeah. All that, all that, all that came, came later. Yeah, they were but about the, to go in 2010, and it, and it was all about to start for Spain. You know, yeah. it was like, the, the little kit. Remember, Didi Didi's one little V neck. Uh, I said to you for some reason the European numbers, which the Didi style was, they just look better. I don't know what it is. Just something about it. It just. I love. I, I always like the kits around that area. Anyway, I think they were. Nice they were kits, nice. It just thought we didn't win anything under them to make them iconic. They just became the nice kits, but they're not iconic because nothing came of it. So, I mean, from the leading corner, the ball is cleared out. It falls to it falls to Mascherano on the half volley, and he just go and he just cracks it and he cracked it, man. It can see it tips it onto the bar, and it's like it was so funny because Mascherano, I think he only scored one goal for sorry two. He was given the derby, which was the biggest own goal you've seen in your life. But it's just like, where's where's that come from? Because I was sat, I was sat in the old main stand, so more than Annie Road end. So you saw, as he hits it, you officers were up thinking that's in, and the save again. You felt, and this is when you're only ten minutes in, you go like, well, great chance here, but fucking hell, the keeper's on one, isn't he? Oh, yeah. No, this is not... we, we've all seen games like that at, at, at uh, yeah. Liverpool, where the keeper has the game of his life, and they nick it. You know, because away goals counted, so we were one up. They had to come and and get two. You know, and mm. that was a, a forward line with Madrid. We had Raúl Higuain, you had Robin, yeah. you had Snyder. They were all capable of of a bit of magic. So you let's know, talk. So... About, let's talk about the first goal because you'd be disagreeing this because we've said the first mm. and second goal. Well, I, the second goal will definitely be ruled out today. The first goal, I think, because of who who it is. They get away, they get away with it. So ball comes over, it bounces. Now I think Pepe's just trying to what it is a bounce with a volley clear. There's a, a slight tug on his shoulder from now. I don't think it's enough for him to go down the way he does, but you may have both said in your normally a little touch you're done, you're done for really. Ball falls to cow, pass it back, and Torres goes and he turns to see if it's been given. As soon as it's given, he's showing his shirt to the Real Madrid fans that effort Atletico player. He yeah. never scored against Real Madrid until then. So and Torres was up for this. This was like, would, you know, this oh is like yeah, this de- just like when Origi sees Everton. Do you know what I mean? It's just like he just goes, I, "I hate these. I'm going to make sure they all know I hate them as well." But the so, best of it was for Fernando Torres at the time. Raúl and I think Morientes were probably ahead of him for Spain. Hmm. You know, Wrong so Davavio was about as well. So he wasn't first choice for Spain. So this was because Raul doesn't make because Raul doesn't make the Euro squad because mm-hmm. I remember that it was a big hoo ha wasn't it saying like how's Raul not a squad and there was pressure on Davila and Torres which is like well these two better do something because how can you leave Raul out and it was just like he, he, yeah you know his time was done but he was he was outstanding in this game he he was really really good and I think the today's game with VAR I think. The, the pull on his shoulder was so blatant and it led directly to a goal. I think VAR would intervene and it possibly could get chalked off. But, but then a know, minute back later, then, a few minutes later, though, he gets the ball again, leaves the defender for dead, cuts it back. Gerard on the half volley, and unfortunately, he's just right at CSB going like, oh, just get the second. You're yeah, praying get for the, the second. second, and that was it. Because you, I, I think at the time you were like, it, it really was next goal win, next goal is the key. Liverpool go 2-0 up, 3-0 aggregate. 
that's it, it's game over. If they get one back, that's when the nerves start kicking in. And Arbeloa wins a penalty. Now, in the ground, it looks like Heinzo just stuck his arm out and punched it and just had an absolute brain fart. When you watch it back, it's the worst decision. Point of his shoulder. Point of his shoulder. It's it's a weird motion because he does that like he's trying to throw a punch. Yeah. Which is probably what does it. But when you watch the replay back, Arbeloa doesn't even react. He just hits. Because I think it's not even when you think, oh, it's close, I'll shout for it, which... Let's be honest, football's a shout for anything. Arbolo doesn't even shout, and Arbolo wasn't no. a shrinking violet for shouting for penalties. Um, it so was I, I never a penalty in a month for Sundays. No. But you got to no. think, ex-Manchester United player, it just... You know when things are written in the stars. Oh, it was funny. Also, we tried to buy, we tried to buy him. We Ferguson, tried to buy him. Yeah, and Ferguson, Ferguson wouldn't sell him to us. Ferguson said he'd never sell anyone to Liverpool. He also said he'd never sell a virus to Real Madrid, and then he sold the Gabriel Heinz. So you know, <laughs> he was great manager Ferguson, but he was full of shit at times. He was, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but Stephen Gerrard did what Stephen Gerrard did, just absolutely nailed the penalty. Keeper's nowhere near it, and it went off in the main stand then because you you're pretty much going like we're through. This is done. Yeah, you know. At the time, to... Liverpool didn't concede volumes no. of goals. You know, it was the odd goal in the games here and there. We were misers at the back, but you know, a two 0 they had to get back. They had to get three. The killer. And... The only killer in the whole game was Mascherano not allowed to get to booking. Yeah, and spoilers: we got beat three one at home to Chelsea. I'll be honest. We were looking to get away with three ones. Whereas I was at that game, we were horrendously outplayed. Yeah, yeah. But you you saw the miss. That was like that was the game you needed Mascherano, and it was a bit it was a bit of a silly it's a silly book, and it wasn't really anything he needed to do really. But you know, you just couldn't he couldn't turn that side of his game off, unfortunately. Uh, but then they have a free kick. I think Schneider's about good thirty yards from good goal. Thirty yards, and he good just goes. Yards. And he's, he's always like, I think he's had enough. I was going to hit this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's, it's some say by Pepe Reina because I think he had nothing to do all game and then he got woke up by that, which I think for all of them settles down going, I yeah, these are still these are still mightily dangerous, you know. We need, need to keep an eye on these. And all the while Casillas was making save after save after oh, save. It's generally not generally if people say that, oh, it could have been five, could have been six. It generally could have been. Um yeah. the se- second half, especially, he pulls off. Two world class saves, especially the Torres one. With uh, I think it was three not a time. Uh, Torres tries to bend it, and it was the classic Torres where he just cuts inside, bends it to the opposite corner, and he still tipped it. And he's just going, it was unreal. Uh, I mean, the goal of the game was the third one because you're like, right, second half, right, come out, let's just, um, you know, keep it, you know, keep it tight, nothing silly. Look for another break. Uh, Ryan Babble just bursts past um, Ramos like he's not there. Cuts it back, it bounces up awkwardly. Uh, probably like shin height. Gerard controlled volley like a bullet. Top corner, near post, game over. And it's yeah, one of the it is one of the great Gerard goals that because and 
those goals always look better with the keepers like midair, you know, trying to save. It's just thinking, like it's just pure power. And that was it then. He was going, this is game over. I mean, it was so much fun this that we, Jay Spear got to make his European debut, I think. We threw to Sainer on left wing because for chits and giggles, why not? <laughs> you know, that's, that's, kind of, that's how, how it got to in the end. And I think, um, I think, oh, Lucas came on on the hour mark for Xavi Alonso. And Lucas only about 20, 21 at this point. 20, so. 21 or something like yeah. that, yeah. So it's really only feel. I do remember with Jay Spearing, the whole crowd would just cheer, just kind of wanted Jay Spearing to score because he's a scouter. Yeah, uh, and we started booing players. We didn't pass it to him to let him shoot just for shit to get because you like because <laughs> you sat there with Real Madrid going, we're falling up. This is we're falling up. Agra, this is great. This is easy. Annoyingly, that's the last time we've ever beaten Real Madrid. Yeah, unfortunately, since we played there, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's a shame, really, that that Liverpool side didn't win. That you can't. Yeah, they, they didn't win something because and it literally look Manchester United were just that good. Mm. You know, it was uh it wasn't a case of Liverpool were shite or anything. To chalk up eighty six points back then in the league is no mean feat. The squad death killed them. That was the thing. Squad death killed them, yeah. You know hundred percent. We was we were still relying on Ngog and Nabil Elzar, remember him? Nabil yeah, Elzar. Yeah, yeah we that, that's uh, what we're Laszlo makes a point there. Prime Torres is one of the greatest sights in a Liverpool shirt. Yeah, for 18 months, Fernando Torres was lethal. For 18 probably, months, he was yeah. absolutely lethal. You know, but this is, and but, but he never got the, that back. He never got uh, that back. But going back to what we had, we've got today, in, you know, Salah. Salah's been at that peak for six years. For six years. I think that's something. I think sometimes it's overlooked. As shit as Liverpool were last year, and let's be honest, Kev, we we did enough post match to take no. the shit. Yeah, yeah he's, still, he's, still, he's still banging thirty goals at a side that let's be honest, just didn't function until probably the last yeah. ten games, and he's still banging thirty goals in all. Conference. The thing is, we as a club, we still scored over hundred goals. Mm. You know what I mean? So Thor's when people right, start, Thor's right though. David Villiers, who was also some striker. Oh yeah. They were actually, a, you know, an ideal partnership when you think about it. That they had Javi Alonso in the sixth role with um, Iniesta and Javi unlocking unlocking defenses. You know, it was did did taking the Barcelona tiki taka football into Spain. And they finally worked out a way for Real Madrid and Barcelona players to get along. Hmm. And they were, for probably six years, they were the best footballing side in the world, bar none, that you would go out of your way to watch. But unlike the current side, that's dominance with 115 charges. Um, They're they're also quite fun to watch. They were. They were good to watch. You actually... If they were, I actually quite enjoy watching it. You know, it's it's yeah. not dull. I, I I do find that style of football that we have to watch, that we all watch at the moment quite dull. You know, that, look, Spain, Spain they, were a good Spain were a good side to watch back then. Yeah, um, I mean, just it, think under uh, under Hicks and Gillette, the the talk was at the time before the whole crash came and they had no and all the money disappeared. Liverpool had lined up after this summer. The rumor was David Villa, David Silva, and Jovetic. They were the three big sides that lined up. Because of all the money from the banking crash, we ended up with Kenyakos. Not quite the same. No, not on a not on a par. You could say definitely no. not. But and Thor makes, know, good point. Thor makes a good point as well. 
Ryan Babel had so much talent, and he did. It was a proper coup when we got Ryan Babel because I remember he was linked to Arsenal. If this at the under twenty one, I remember watching England play against when he was playing for the Dutch under twenty ones. And when they got, and when they got him, when we got him, we were like, "Wow, this is a coup!" This because was that the final Arsenal, that was that the under twenty one final that England got? To, it went. It was decided on penalties. Went to penalties. That everyone took a penalty and had to start. Again, had to yeah. start again. I think it was yeah. Stephen Taylor. It was at Newcastle. Remember Couldn't him, walk. centre back. Couldn't walk because he. he, yeah. done, he I think he done his hamstring, and he, and they were yeah. kicking off saying, "Well, he can't take a penalty." And said, "Well, you forfeit then." So we had to like hobble up, barely oh. stand. He scored, and then we're like, pretty much like that's me done. Now they get put mouth for quite a, quite a bit of while though. But yeah, because yeah. at this at the time people mock Wenger now. This one, this is peak Wenger when Wenger was always finding these random lads. You're going, gems, yeah. Who's a 16 year old fabric something we've got? And you're like, oh, it's Fabregas. He'd find loads yeah. of them, you know. Nick, the Nicholas, and, Nicholas and Elka, yeah. You know, Patrick Ar- Vieira, out and over three. Patrick Vieira from it, he plucked him out of in, of AC Milan where he wasn't getting a game. Three and a half yeah. million. Yeah, you know, Diaby was actually obscene. a really was a really good player, just for of injuries. Colatori. I mean, in fact, how many first got Colatori? He was playing the wing for shits and giggles before he came a centre off. <laughs> that's that's what do you know what I mean? Do you remember that, you that Colatori oh, played man. wing, which is hilarious. But Kanu, yeah, but... you know, this one then goes by Kanu, yeah. And then we're like, who's this? And then you're like, oh my god. So when we got him over a bit of a wall over Venga, you're thinking like, shit, he must be good because if Venga wants him, he must be good because Venga could, could spot a, a young talent. That's you know, that was his one of his gifts. It just never quite clicked for him. He had no, games where he was right, brilliant. It just didn't quite yeah. sometimes, sometimes I think like, Ryan Babel's problem was always between his ears. It was yeah. um it wasn't ability, it was a mental uh it was a mental switch. In his game, that it, um, if he had the right manager at the time to get the tune out of him, he could have been top, top chair. You know, Bob, as it stood, as it stood, it was probably just allowed to drift, and his yeah. career drifted after he left us. Babble would do well today. Today's style of football actually suits him as a winger. Yeah, yeah. So as Thor's point out, Salah now makes just another card. Rather swear I'm never getting over it. Oh, that journalist, she's, ne- she's never got over it. Listen, we all make bad calls. We've all done it. But that yeah. one was particularly wild. Because when when she said, and the same journalist, you always want double doubles down on something. He says, like, yeah, but he's no hazard. Because, you know, what's he ever done to win a big game? You go, like, he's just scored the winning. He's just scored in the European Cup final. You know, and I think her excuse at the time was, he hasn't done it in a big semi-final, though, has he? Which is thought, well, the final's probably better. That's like, <laughs> and there's one... Then he banged two against Roma, where he made Allison look average, which is taking some doing to make aver- make him look average. Like, yeah, sometimes you have to hold your head. Do you know I got that wrong? Yeah, um, the thing Joel, is, I always admit it. Mine's Joe Matip. And you, you often yeah. think that today. I got Joe Matip miles wrong. I thought he was crap until he got that run to the lead up to the Champions League. Because I always thought he was easy to dominate. And I got that completely wrong. Quite happy. I can I can safely say, safely say. That You've got a few. Not one person as not one person got sal- called Salah right. Nobody, because nobody saw this coming. Well, interest interestingly, uh John Gibbons of the Anfield Rap fame talks about one of his shows saying he met Michael Edwards, I think he's in the way end of one of the Liverpool games. This was like when Salah was still quite early on in his career. He says, So I said, So I had a chat to him, he goes, Well, one of us is enjoying this chat. He goes, I might have and he basically said he was saying to Michael Edwards, You never knew he was going to be this good. You knew he'd be good, you know. He's, uh, 
and apparently Edwards went, we did. He said, we didn't know he was going to become you know, breaking world records and all that sort of stuff. But he said, like, we knew he was good. He said, we, and we also realised nobody else had twigged what we knew. So I was like, so anyway, that's a good, that's a good look as recruitment was back then. Still, this still is pretty it. good. But you'd like another one, wouldn't you? Yeah. If I had the next salad, that'd be handy. That'd be quite handy. We'll come to that in a minute. Anyway, well, and then the thing is, that game, fi- that game finished 4 0. We went oh, on. Can we talk about the fourth goal? Chelsea. Yeah, look. Can we talk, talk about, about the fourth goal? goal. The fourth goal is just fourth hilarious. Um, Count gets it. Mascherano runs the full length of the pitch to get down the right wing, cuts it across to Desena's first goal for Liverpool. Not a bad first goal. He had a good week that week because then he scored against United a week later. Or he chips yeah. on the star. So that was the best week he ever did for Liverpool. Shitty for Saturday, but you know. And credit where it's due, right? Ike Casillas, when he came back in his last season in football, when he was playing for Porto, he got a standing ovation. Uh, mm. And he talked about it after. But I'm convinced to this day, that standing ovation was for that night. He was outrageous. He, he was... If anyone goes back and watches the highlights of this 4-0 and expect to see, you know... the flowing Liverpool side. We were. We were flowing. It was fantastic. And if it was 8-0, 9-0, it would have been justified because it wasn't a case it was poor finishing. There were The, the saves that he, were make, was, he was oh, making didn't. were from good efforts, good shots, that some of them he had absolutely no right to save whatsoever. Not, not to play it down, but this is like Champions League final we won under Klopp. Where Allison gets man of the match, and I hear a lot of Spurs fans going, "Oh, but Allison made eight, nine saves." You're going, "Yeah, but if you watch the saves he had to make, only two were top saves. One yeah. was the Ericsson free kick, and the other one was Son's shot when they were two 0 down. Every other shot Allison had to make were routine. They were things routine, like bog standard save. They were just in like, the right position. Yeah, yeah. They were all like, if this is all we've got to deal with, we're absolutely fine. Yeah. These saves, if it finished." 8-0 or 7-0, nobody complained because it yeah. was comfortable. You know, I think you yeah. were saying on the on the post-match, they were trying to give it a kick to see us man the match. That yeah, did, apparently, I, and it's because at the time, it was uh, Champions League at the time was still on ITV. And I can remember after they'd watched, the they'd re-watched the highlights of the game, the pundits, whoever was in, I think it would have been probably Glenn Hoddle and whoever were in the um, in the studio. And they all agreed Iker Casillas should have been man of the match yeah. for keeping it respectable. And it's one of the, it was one of those games. He was at least a 9 out of 10 in that game. He was a 9 out of 10 in a 4 nil loss but for also Real Madrid show, away from home. Again, that shows how good Liverpool were when you're going, yeah. they've won 4 nil and, the, and they're still saying, well, the keeper's brilliant, don't want It's not often you lose 4 nil and you think, oh, the keeper's played well. So, yeah. last little saying... Quadrado is one of only three players we sent off a Champions League final. Lehman and Dromper are the others. It's interesting. I don't know Dromper being sent off in the Champions League final. No, but Obviously, I can yeah. remember Jens Lehman being sent off in remember the that? final. Is that against that was against Barcelona, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what we're Arsenal fans still saying they should have just given the goal and not sent him off. Like that's not yeah. the rules though, is it? Because that no, was Robert, they... that was Robert Pires' last game for uh, Arsenal and he got took off yeah. after twenty minutes because of the Lehman issue issue. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just quickly going to bring something up here and I just on a quick look at what news is going on in the world of while, football. While you're doing that, whatever happened to David Ngog? 
Someone in the chat was saying that he ended up, he went to Bolton. He went to Bolton, got relegated, and then just disappeared. Yeah, uh, is I think that's definitely something that you almost need a a pod to sit down with a list of players. Uh, it's like a, like a where are they now type thing. I'll be honest. So, we, we can even just do it. I think we should do something like, do you remember him? I think we do. There's loads of players. If we did a list of some random players who played for Liverpool, there'd be loads of people like, oh yeah, he's played for Freud Kid, you know. Uh, well, there's Alan I'm Diarra, just having a quick look. A quick Diarra, look here. Who never made an appearance for the club, but was there for three years, which is also there's, there's always plenty of them as well. Well, the the Ruben Nevis deal is gone through. Uh, he joins Al Halal. Which, which Ruben Nevis deal? The one to Ruben Nevis, forty-seven million pound club record deal to Saudi club. When's he getting loan? When's he getting loan back to Newcastle? Do you know what? That's that's, the, the, that's, the, that's the alleged fear for a lot of these players. You wonder if they're brazen enough to do it. I think. Chelsea have just rejected Man United's third bid for Mason Mount. Well, United have turned them back themselves into a corner now because United have said this is a take it or leave it offer. And I think you've got to look at some of the moves that have happened in this window so far with Sandra Tonali going to Newcastle for big money. 70 million euro is a big, big fee for a 23-year-old who's... Who, comes from a league in a country where they notoriously don't travel well. You know, he's a, he's, he's a good talent. He's I thought he'd be better at AC Milan than what he's turned out to be. I was expecting a lot more of him when he left Brescia and, and joined AC Milan. But to me, he's, he's a good player, but we'll have to wait and see if uh, he can if he can do it in the Premier League. Uh, he disappeared in the two games... You know, this season that I watched in the Champions League semi-final against Inter Milan, he just he was a non-event. Um, I, I still think it's Newcastle are overpaying for him. But what you could see now is that fee could that deal could scupper Newcastle looking at James Madison, and you're starting to see where dominoes are falling elsewhere that they could scupper deals that they're worth linked with. So. That could leave James Madison looking for alternatives. It could be a case of Spurs, but whoever goes back in for James Madison, I can guarantee you are not going to be going in with the fees that they were to- that Leicester City were talking about at the start of the window because the market for him is just narrowing. You know, there's not going to be too many clubs out there desperate to get hold of someone like him. In the same way as with Mason Mount, Mason Mount put all his eggs in the Manchester United basket. Manchester United are notorious for overpaying for players. They've always said, yeah, this is a deadline deal and we're not going anymore. Then you look at what they did with Anthony, you look at what they did with Sancho, you look at what they tried to do. Because everyone knows, everyone knows they'll come back. With a couple they'll weeks come back. Yeah. yeah, they'll come back because they're desperate. They actually need to. It'll hurt they them do. for at least a season. Is actually go, we've set that fee and stick to it or move on to another target. Yeah. To show clubs that you mean business. So listen, Liverpool have done a lot of things wrong tramp, uh, transfer-wise. You may have talked about it. Yeah. But they have also stuck the guns with certain things like this where they're going like, well, we've got to figure, we're not going above it. So yeah. clubs, t- and I think long-term, clubs tend to not take the piss then when they go, oh, at 90, well, we're not paying that. So, well, you'll come back for We won't. And sometimes the clubs are like, oh, shit, they won't actually, no. So we need to come back and have, have a sensible conversation. Yeah. Whereas everyone knows, United, where... everyone knows United, just, just keep putting 20 million on because eventually they'll, they'll crack and do it. 
Yeah. See, it works out for a, a selling club, a, a buying club, to have that policy. When the player makes it known that I only want to go to Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, is, wherever it is, yeah. that scuppers a lot of um, notions that selling clubs have of trying to extract larger fees or, or engineer bidding wars. Yeah, because once the buying club makes it known, we have a valuation for the player and we won't go above what we value him at. And you're prepared to move on to your next target. Then suddenly those clubs, those selling clubs become more reasonable, especially when the player makes it known, I'm not going anywhere else apart from that club. So make it work. Yeah. Thor pointing out it was also Burkamp's last game. Remember that he didn't even um yeah. get off the bench, did he? In yeah. that game. Uh Jake's asking uh thoughts on the Cavalio move to Leipzig. Um it's not really worked out for Liverpool. I mean, I guess some of the people have liked to see him get a chance. You know, he scored a couple of good goals for us, but some some people are acting like it's we've left Lionel Messi on the bench. You know, he's a good young player. He needs minutes. My only concern with going to Leipzig is got David Omo and a few. They've got a few played that sort of ten position. So I'm a bit like, unless Leipzig know one of them going. Is he not sort of in the same position as in Liverpool where you go like you'd be quite a bit of a pecking order here? So has he just gone from one scenario to another? I personally don't think you ever see him at Liverpool again. I kind of just feel like something's gone on behind the scenes. And in my opinion, done right, it just hasn't worked out. And it's a bit like, let's shake hands, you'll you'll go. Hopefully you do at Leipzig and we'll get some money for you next summer. Yeah, I think you're looking at him. I think it's a good move. I think David Olmo or Sabozlai could be on the move. Uh, they've already lost in Kunku in this window to Chelsea. So they're going to be bringing him in and he will play. They're in the Champions League as well. Mm-hmm. I think for him in, at Liverpool, the way we're playing at the minute, he's never going to play in a central role. He's not physically strong enough or big enough or good enough to play in a central role. So the time. only option that he has at Liverpool is playing on the left wing. And at the moment, you've got Diogo Jota, you know, Luis Diaz, and at a push, Darwin Nunes, all Gakpo. ahead of him in that role. And Gakpo can play there as well. And Gakpo can play there as well. So he just, the options that we had we when we signed him, comparing to the options for that position now, have changed. And he's just mm-hmm. not on that pecking order. He's below where the others are. He's, he's fourth choice. So yeah. for his career, the best thing is to get him the best loan you can, which in fairness, RB Leipzig is exactly the right club. It, he will play. There's plenty. Of, and the German football, the way German football is played with high pace, mainly counter-attacking, flowing football might suit his game. It'll boost his value. It will give him minutes. He might come back and be better for it. He, he, it's something you can re- revisit next season as he's got a place in the squad. If not, he'll increase his value on the loan. And hopefully you can you know, flip him for 20, 25 million next summer. You know, At the end of the day, football is a business as well as you hope every transfer works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So the but best that the club can do flip. is try to flip him for the, as best as possible. Which I'll be honest, a lot of other clubs do that. You yeah. know. Quite I'm sure City, Chelsea, of all our players, you got oh, he'd be quite good. Hasn't worked out, and then they flip him for more than what they paid for him. You go, well, well, yeah. 
It is what it is. And, and you know. Such is life. You know, that, yeah. not every transfer works. You know, we've got a really decent strike rate. I think it's dipped off of late. I don't think it's been as good as what it could have been. I think last summer was an absolute disaster, as we've seen. But at the same think, time, I also think we did. I think we can honestly say we, we didn't do enough. But I mean, no. But I think even <laughs> even the, the even the business that. that we did do, we didn't have a plan for it. It didn't make any sense when you looked at what was being done as to how it worked out. Whereas what you were saying beforehand, when your man turned around to Gibbo and said about Mo Salah, like saying we knew he was going to be this good, I don't think the same could have been said about the business that was done last summer. I think you know? I think some of them were we th- we hoped this. It was, was going hitting to work hope. Out. There yeah. was there was a lot of hopes in and Nunes is still got plans to to do something. I think the Royal Greens are there for Nunes. I Probably think this would... season coming up is is um, he needs to kick off. Should burst for him. I think this season, if he if it doesn't work work out for him this season, he'll be gone next summer. And I wouldn't so, be a bit surprised because I don't think it's going to work for him. I I just don't. I I don't think he suits the way we we're playing. I think he gets in really great positions, but he doesn't have the composure of a striker that you need. He he doesn't have the finishing composure that you need in the box. And it's all well and good doing it in a Portuguese league where half the league are flaming crap. But when it comes to doing it in the Premier League, where the bottom side in the Premier League will outspend Bayern Munich, you're in a different level of football. And I don't think, I think Gakpo's come in and Gakpo's ahead of him in the nine position. I think Jota's ahead of him in the nine position. And I think that Diaz and Jota are ahead of him on the left wing position. So unless he can make a role for himself playing off the right, or uh, he can do something and reinvent himself in the Europa League. I think his um, that, options this, are limited this season. This, this could be one of the benefits of the Europa League. And let's be honest, there aren't it could many. be, yeah. But, but that's one of them. The, the Europa League can, has been for quite a few Liverpool players a bit of a revitalization, a bit of a confidence builder, which is sometimes what you need. Um, listen, I, I still think Nunes will get plenty of minutes next year. One is Jota can't stay fit. Yeah, if you think Jota's going to be fit for more than a couple of months and not get pick up an injury. Good luck, because yeah. he's not showing off for two years and he can stay fit. So we know that. Diaz, we're hoping, comes back from his knee injury with no real issues. You know, he lo- he looks sluggish when he came back from his injury, but it's a big injury. So yeah. you'd like to think a pre-season, it'd be fine. And ultimately, the question around Diaz is still, can he produce the big numbers that we need? Can he do Sadio Mane numbers? It's kind of what we need him to do. And he hasn't done it yet. Injuries prevailing haven't helped. Gakpo and Salah, I think, are the only two of the, of the front five that I could go hand on heart. He'll do well. He'll do well. The rest have all got an injury question, an output question, or a bit of both about them. I'm hoping for Nunes, it's more of a second season syndrome, but yeah. quite a few players do when they really kick on in the second season because they're settled in, know the language better, know the structure better. Potentially, we get our summer transfer right. That'll play to his strengths. I don't think that helped Nunes at all because he had such a dysfunctional midfield behind him. And to be honest, the front the front line chained every bloody week. I mean, in headbutting yeah. players didn't help. Oh yeah, you know? it, no, look, possibly, it's possibly not, I wouldn't help. judge. I wouldn't judge it. I wouldn't judge him on last season. It was there was it was too there was too much changed. And the other side of it is when you lost Jota and Diaz so early in the season. What was left had to play an awful lot of football. It had, it just became functional. Just getting through, it was third. You getting through games. I still think that you have to replace the minutes that Bobby gave you, 
and the output that Bobby gave you in the summer. I think you have to bring in a, per, a player who can give you that flexibility. Mike, uh, Mike. I think it, it's silly. It's it's yeah. silly not to not to. But Mike, at the same time, Michael, I don't think we is, can have it all. No, Michael, feeling is we bring in a defender and probably three midfielders, and I think we go into the season one one forward light. Yeah. But are you honest, are you calm enough about the summer as it's going? Because I'm seeing a lot of people getting edgy, uh, saying, "Why haven't we got X Y Z business done?" Um, I'm all right at the moment because it's June. Mm. End of July, if we're still in this Sam McAllister, the edginess will get there. But I can understand why people are edgy because of last summer was a bit of a shit show. The previous yeah. summers, we've always done decent business. There's always the question of, I think we always go into every summer feeling one short. Now, maybe that's the other fan because you always you always want more. Want one more. Hey. But I always feel we go into, come out of most summers feeling one short. Even the year when we were going for the quad, you felt a forward, you felt one light. Hence why we brought Diaz in in January. And lo and behold, the squad just looked almost complete. Well, you had like Minamino only get a handful of minutes, but when he came on, he was really looking he was forward to it. Yeah. Because he knew I might not get another chance for six weeks, so I need to I need to really, you know, improve. So well, yeah, I, I do think we need a centre back. I do think we need a defender because even if Matip's staying, I don't think you can rely on his fitness. Gomez, no. you can't rely on it. And I, I feel like know. Gomez, I think Gomez is going to be more of a right back cover than a centre back cover. So I kind of feel you need a centre back. You definitely need a, at least one more midfielder. I think you need two personally. I think you need a dominant one. Which I mean, the types of players we're going to, the, the young, the hungry, but the physical players that we're linked with, which is kind of what you want. Unless there's a bit of a wild card that's coming out there. Listen, we, let's play fancy football for a minute, Kev. Let's live in the bubble where we're going to buy someone quite excited. The Burrell link, I can understand why it excites people. He's a very good player. I personally don't want him because I don't think Italians coming over into England into England works. We haven't had many that worked out. You know, Zola, Jorginho to a point, but I still get Aquilani cold sweats if I was signing an Italian, an Italian midfielder. Just yeah, you know, talk to me about Fabio Barini. Yeah, I'm happy to be wrong. I don't mind if we sign. Yeah, one me too. Brilliant. I love it. I love it if I'm wrong. Um, listen, you know who I'd want. Would never yeah, get it, I'm, but I know I, I know why it was. But I, I don't think it'll ever come off. I also think if he comes on the market, I just think somebody will splash silly money that we won't go near, which is a bit frustrating. Freddy take, Valverde is one of those players that could become available because of the other business that Real Madrid wants to do. Yeah, Real Madrid wants Kylian Mbappe, and PSG. I've snookered themselves with this last deal that he did because mm-hmm. he made it known from day one, I'm not extending. They thought they could convince him to extend. He's come out now and said, I will be leaving this club for Real. And he's all, he's only going to go to Real Madrid. Oh, yeah. So Real Madrid can turn around and say, well, we'll take him next season for free. We'll take him now for X fee. Mm-hmm. Up to you. Yeah. Which you is know. now listen, this again could be blue sky thinking, this could be the inner Yeah. Oh, this is completely I, living the, in a hypothetical box. This, this is so you know, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm not even saying this is a thing, but you know, you'd like to think in a world where I wonder have Liverpool got someone like the Celta Vigo lad, Manu Coney, the the kind of lined up that they're ready, but they're on the back burner for let's just see what happens. Because if Valverde becomes available. If I'm supposed to be those two lads, 
good luck to you. We'll we'll concentrate on him, and we'll but have them line up, which I think is what we didn't do with Shoe Many, which was what they should have done was had the Shoe Many had the Shoe Many backups, which might have been we can't get Shoe Many, but we've got two, yeah, tear down with two younger ones that we can get him ready, and then yeah. you know you're not telling me if we hadn't thrown a couple of young. Sentiment, it wouldn't it would have done us any harm last that season. Probably well it didn't not. do it, it didn't do us any harm when we brought Stefan in and you saw exactly. the, the impact so, to the squad that having young fresh legs can so have on you. Maybe having like a Coney and the, the, the lads from South Vega's name I escapes me every time. Uh, Vega. Him, that's him. Having them lined up as the they're your backups with we go big on a Valverde or a, someone like that. If we can't get him, we go we go for two youngsters and we go we go down the youth throughs. Both right. fine well, options because this, then... this is the roadmap I can see how because one thing I noticed in the week is Real Madrid extended Tony Cruz for a year. He Which was is... expecting to be sold this summer, so they've extended Tony Cruz. They've they're keeping Modric for a year. You've got too many. Camavinga wants to play in midfield. You've got Bellingham, Valverde, and. Probably a couple of others knocking about. So the, the only I think is, the only scupper I suppose is if Bellingham does need knee surgery, which is the talk as he does, is how long that knee surgery is going to keep him out for? Because that also could influence whether. Well, he hasn't had it so. yet, so I'm t- I'm thinking if he needed surgery, he'd have had it by now. You'd have thought so. Yeah, they wouldn't be waiting. They'd have literally last day of the season. They'd have just done it, mm. or as soon as the deal was done, they'd have done it. But the other one is too many. I think that Carlo Ancelotti wants him out of the club. And I think that we won't go anywhere near him, given what happened over Christmas at Real Madrid. As talented a player as he is, if he's got a chip on his shoulder about being the big I am, that won't sit with the squad and that won't sit with Klopp. The talk is so, also the talk is also that he, he's implying he He's made it know that he wants to fight, he wants to fight he wants to fight for his place. He doesn't want to yeah, leave. Fair enough. He doesn't want to leave. And in fairness, once you're at Real Madrid, the problem always tends to be how do you how do you get someone out if you need to? Now they did it with Kovacic with Chelsea. Do you remember where mm-hmm. Kovacic at Real Madrid was doing okay, you know? And then Chelsea he became available. Chelsea went in and got him, and he was really good. For, for Chelsea, you know, no. that's why that's why City are bought. Yeah, so you got to look at it and say, I would never say never that uh, Fede Valverde would couldn't become available, but I think if he did become available, you could see Man City looking to bin Bernardo Silva straight out the door. And I think Man City he's, I think, would be I think all he's over good. that deal. I think he's going already, regardless of. If they, if they yeah. can't get Valverde, I think, I think they've already got a plan to get rid of him anyway. Yeah, it's a case of would Real Madrid sell to Manchester City knowing that Real Madrid want Erling Haaland down the line? That's what I mean. But also, isn't, isn't the talk of, of Erling Haaland that he has a clause that comes live next summer? So, in a nice possible way, City can't stop it. Yeah, we'll see on that one. But I just think that there's a possibility. I think there's a well, roadmap. Where um, per- Freddie Valverde becomes available, he's perfect for what Liverpool need. Players an eight, but also the thing we've all a lot of fans have talked about is we haven't really got to cover wide right. He can do that, and he's done that in Champions League finals. Yeah. 
and done really and done done that role perfectly. So yeah, again, Klopp loves a multifunctional player because that's what we, we go for. We offer a lot of multifunctional players. I know people are obsessed with specialists and why do you offer multifunctional players? It's one way of doing it if you haven't got loads of money. It's five players in a few positions. Plus, makes more tactically flexible. So you don't have to yeah. rip it all out. You know, McAllister's a bit like that because I think that's why we bought him is he can play two or three positions quite well. So which can it means you're not tied down to we must buy this type of player now for him. Because you could buy a few different options and go, well, buy another left-sided field if you want. McAllister can flip to the right and he's just as good there. That's what you want. We're going to wrap up in about five minutes. Um, quick question. Go on. And I'll ask this to everyone in the chat as well. Um, do you bring a right back in and play Trent solely as a midfielder next season? As one of your three, either your right side eight or your double six? And you go out and get a, get a right back, a, a proper right back. And I... I would say to Trent at 24 years of age or whatever he is, going forward for the second half of your career at Liverpool, you are now a midfielder. Bayern Munich did it with Joshua Kimmich mm-hmm. and Kimmich hasn't looked back. Can I, Trent do that role? I would buy a def- a physical defensive right back. I would draw when Gomez was fit. And I would say... And heard something off the rap, and uh, I sort of get the logic, and it makes sense. Is perhaps if you go to Brentford away, you play your big physical defensive right back and go right, you just got to head everything clear, and you give Trent his opportunity to be able to suit his game. Whereas perhaps if you play in Bournemouth at home, you go go back to your flying fullbacks, right? Trent and Robbo, you do both, you know, like you used to. I quite like the idea of a defensive right back to give the option to flip between the two because I don't see Trent doing midfield all season. I think it's good to have the option again. Horse for courses and a bit of tactical flexibility, which I do think is why we keep getting linked to centre backs who could play right back. Now, I'm not saying they're going to happen, but Pavard, Timber, that profile player makes sense because they can cover both. And then you've got the option of certain games we're going to go with that, certain games we're not. So I would, but I wouldn't say that means tread to midfield all, all season. It just gives you the tactical options of depending on who you're playing. That's why mm-hmm. I would do it. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, the thing is, I think it's got a split uh, opinion. And I think mm-hmm. for the player, because I think the tactically the way that we're inverted playing an inverted right back will get found out the longer we do it. And lots of you clubs saw do, Southampton, Southampton. Lots, of, lots of clubs do it though. City do. No, they don't. Inverted right back. No, they don't. Do the not, right not, back. not from right back, they don't. They do it. City do it from centre back and they start Z- with four. Zinchenko, Zinchenko does it from left back to centre mid. And Arsenal have it are still finding flaws with it. Arsenal can still be got at. I'm not saying it's not flawed, but it's not like it, it's not a new thing that not everyone does. I, and again, I, I think just it's think... who you're playing. I think it's who you're playing. So I don't think maybe when you're playing like a Southampton, maybe when you're playing the Villa, it's the way the players they have, you don't play that for you don't play that system. No, I just think you, I, clubs, you my know. biggest problem with it is you burn them out. I just think yeah, he, he he's gotta to do too much running. And it's not just him. I think you burn Kanate out. Having to do that many runs to cover out into the right wing to or to the opponent's left wing while Trent is getting back from an advanced midfield position. I just think long term you'll 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 wreck him. And but maybe that's maybe that's why you bring in the defensive right back. So sometimes you're gonna go yeah, Trent's not even gonna play. Because I've also well, I'm convinced this, that there's only twenty five games a season where so we play sides that park the bus. 
And in yeah. those games, I play him in midfield. That's what I mean. In those then, games, I play him in midfield. But then other games, you don't need you don't need to. But yeah, I also I'd like I the hope, option. Let's put yeah. it that way. I'd like the option because that inverted system also only works with a fit Trent and a fit Canate. If, if you haven't got one of those two things, it doesn't work. Tom is making the point there that if um, where is it? Oh, if Liverpool me. and Klopp do this, it's admitting that Southgate is a footballing genius. The yeah, thing is, he played for the England against so, and you've got to look at Let's the that, look at the players. Malta. No, it's, it's against Malta. It, you're playing against Malta. Malta are a side who play five four one. And who spend their entire international footballing career defending. So they're good at it. So what I'm saying is those kind of games that England play against Malta, Liverpool will play 15 to 20 of those games every year. Hmm. And they're playing against sides who will play a bank of five with a bank of four or flip it, play four at the back with a bank of five behind the ball and look to play on the counter. Those are the type of games that Trent can play as one of two midfielders and pick passes for fun. That's what I mean. Because, and he doesn't have to worry about going back the other way because you're playing with the back four with right back. There are other games where the games are going to be 50-50 possession or 65-30, you know, 60-40 possession where Trent plays an orthodox right back and we play a 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. And he it, he does his normal role with a normal eight in front of him where he doesn't invert. I, think I just, just think that up. playing that inverted role is a waste of time. Long I think term, it's, having, it's a waste of time. I think it's having the option where you can you can do it when you need to. Yeah, I think Laszlo makes a point there. It's Robbo that loses out. You watch Robbo playing for Scotland, and he's up and down that wing, and he's a different. He's like he's like the old Andy Robertson when he's playing for Scotland. I do you know, wonder, and he's really good at what he does. But is that deliberate also? So then, if you tell Rob to tuck it as a le- as a left sided centre back, he's twenty nine now, thirty. Yeah. Is it save his legs? But then you can say to him, you can still go, but you pick your goes more. You know, I, I don't think Scotland, so. But he had, had a two-week rest before he played for Scotland. So you, you tend to look revitalised after a two-week rest as well. There is also I, that the, element. The other side of it, when you're playing for Scotland, is you're playing with a big guy up front to hit. Yes. And in fairness, and I'll give him credit, because we'll finish on this in a sec. I watched the Scotland game, the three hours and whatever it was, because I couldn't believe they finished that game. Oh, I never the, thought for us. Yeah, with a, pool, with a pool in the middle of the pitch. It's brilliant. Scott McTominay in a Scotland shirt. What a player! Whatever it is about, he puts on that Scotland shirt and he becomes like Rob Roy and Robert the Bruce all in one. He's just a man mountain from midfield. He's brilliant at that role that Scotland ask of him. You know, I think if he gets a move in the summer, he's one that needs a move in the summer. If he goes to a West Ham somewhere like that, where the pressure is off him of not playing for a big club. He could develop into a really good player. You know, he really I think he's a good player anyway. But I think he could develop into a really, really good player. But, you know, Scotland, all credit to him. Four wins from four now. In the, mm-hmm. They have a win over Spain already. They have one foot in the in the Euros. Uh, and coming out of that group, that's a tough group. You yeah, know. it wasn't the easiest group they were given, to be fair. To no, me. no, no, it wasn't. But all in all, all quiet in the transfer front. There's a lot of stuff going around at other clubs. We're actual getting deals over the line. Medicals done, have you signed? It's a lot of talk. There's not an awful lot going on, is there? Yeah. Also, look, people can do what they want. You know, everyone can believe what they want to believe. But 
I do some some of this um, frustration is also it's what you believe on social media. You know, a lot of it I still think is a lot of um, attention seeking and clickbaited and just joining dots and guessing, and people assume it's true. Yeah, there's an awful lot of that. And look, some people's guesses are worth listening to. Yeah. But at the same time, it's all part and parcel of the game. It's all part of the fun. The, look, you can't take it too seriously. I get annoyed yeah. when I see people losing their shit over players that haven't moved anywhere. When they say, why haven't we signed XXX and X player? Mm. They haven't gone anywhere yet. It doesn't, yeah. you know, or it's they don't fit like, or Klopp. whatever. There's plenty of reasons, yeah. but... Klopp said he wants all the play all, all the signs done before preseason. Klopp says it every year. Every manager yeah. says that. But Klopp, a week later, also said, ah, but it could take six to eight weeks to get, a, get the play we want sorted. So yeah. he, took, he already gives himself a cover of, well, of course, what we well, early, but you know, if the right player takes eight weeks, I'll wait eight weeks for the right player. Well, the thing I mean, is, when well, you think a... about it, when he said that, what was due to happen? You were due to have a European under 21 championship in that time. And by the looks of it, I watched the game the other night, the Italy France game. We'll finish up in a sec. Um, Rovella for Italy playing in the six, mm. really, really talented player. Tonali was okay, Tonali was good. Turam, Kone. That France side, and they haven't won an under twenty one championship for thirty five years. Which France, is mad. Italy, which is, Italy, which is, Italy have won five. Which is mad when you think of the, yeah. the talent's gone through the under twenty one well, for France. The last side to win that tournament for France had um, Laurent Blanc in it at under twenty one. Thirty five years, you know. So it's a good tournament. Anyone who's watching it, watch it. It's on. Um, it's on UEFA. Download the UEFA TV app. Uh, on your tablet or your laptop, or if you can download it onto your TV, they're broadcasting all the games live. You can pick the games what you want to watch and watch them. So good quality games in there. The England game was good the other night. Um, Jacob Ramsey's ridiculous footballer. They played a mad formation, wasn't it? Four two four. It's a proper. It was a proper attacking that. formation, but they could have been three 0 down inside the first twenty minutes. That's what I mean. That's the where they got a hold of it. Yeah, yeah, because Kurtz was playing as a. As a six, really, wasn't he? A, yeah, he was playing as a six. Then they switched it to a four-three-three, where he was playing as one of the eights, as in his normal role. That he, Which suits that he him. plays for Liverpool now. Yeah, and he was a calm, calming influence on the ball. He he just kept receiving it in good areas, kept moving the ball, and just lending it and taking it back and lending it again. Yeah, because he, he looked really the, good in that role. Because being the other twenty-one, I pretty think France is one of those, are one of the countries where I think they have a deadline of if you want to do a transfer, it's before this date or it's after we're out. And yeah. they just don't allow anything. Whereas, yeah. you know, the Italians were a bit more relaxed about it. Yeah, it's on the if you want to get your deal done well, so on, get your deal done well, so on, so And that's, mm. you know, every country has, the, has their option. Has also, their preferences, but yeah, France don't. And it's the uh, Women's World Cup starts next month. So it should be fun. Yep. Well, you had a good show that went out there the other week. So, yeah. Uh, I had uh, Emma Sanders from the BBC, uh, just the two of us. So we had a chat about Liverpool's run to the end of the season, how the season had gone in terms of. Stayed up very comfortably. Uh, what we thought we needed for the next next season, talk about the players left, a bit of a chat about the manager. Had a big chat about Melwood, because um, Liverpool now have Melwood back. I mean, we all know we probably should never have got rid of it, but you know they've got Melwood back, and the, from next season, the women are going to be training out of Melwood, so they're having their own dedicated training centre, which is good. It's progressive. It's a sign Liverpool are taking it all seriously. Uh, and then we had a bit of a World Cup preview, where I think Emma said, said USA, I think, are favourites. Um, England will probably get to, she thinks, 
probably no further than quarterfinals, partly because of the run they've got is difficult, but also because there's quite a lot of players for England who have got ACL injuries, which is unfortunate for them. But yeah, it's good, good show. It's it's on the YouTube channel now, so give, give it a watch. It's a, it's got to mean it. Look, Emma's really good value anyway, and we'll have a little break from the women's show, and we'll have one back probably August September time, and hopefully I'll be able to get Neil and Philippa on it on that as well. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, what are your plans for the weekend? You watching any football? Um, not watching any. Well, I am watching football, but not professional football so i'm having a chill day tomorrow and then my daughter is at a tournament from nine in the morning until five in the afternoon so yeah. i'm literally sitting in the field all day on sunday watching my daughter play football so that's my yeah. that's my sunday really so hopefully nice hopefully the weather is good for you yeah i think i think there's only slight chance of rain so you know yeah, right. don't so, mind too much yeah so that's no, too much fun. what about yourself yeah. any plans uh other than hurling championships Sunday, so I'll probably watch that. Uh, Formula One might watch a bit of it, probably won't. Oh, why? Uh, but no, in general, in general, it's a, it's a quiet time of sport now. You've got the Ashes start again next weekend, so keep Wednesday. an eye on that. Yeah, that's Wednesday. Yeah. And it's, it's a big gap then, isn't it, for the third test? Because like, they play Wednesday, don't they play against for the 19th? Quite a big gap. Yeah, yeah England they've called up um, a young spinner, uh, an 18-year-old he... leg spinner. Yeah, he made he made his debut in Pakistan. Got five. Yeah, so youngest, we'll, ever, youngest we'll, ever younger youngest ever English player to get a five on debut. Which well, is hopefully impressive. Give him now, listen, it's Pakistan as a turning pitch, which helps. But you know, it's always quite exciting to see Alex Yeah. But look, I think there's going to be a show Sunday night where I'm sure the lads will go through all the transfer stuff, all the gossip that's going around, and just literally dissect the whole bloody lot and have a right good rant at it. And hopefully so, by the Hopefully by then, mate, we'll have Valverde signed and we'll all be happy. Happy days. Happy if you sign Valverde, Why mate, not? you media the reaction show because you've been you be talking about it for weeks. Desperate Months. for a score. <laughs> Months. I wouldn't mind a signing like that just to say, uh, it's literally just that that gift that goes like your man slapping money down the counter and walking out. And that, that, that's the kind of transfer business you want to do. I was just sitting there with a cigar and you're going, I don't really care what you do after that, to be honest. I've got, we've got Mikel's and Valverde. I'm quite content with life and look forward to watching yeah. that. To be fair, that, that would also help Darwin as well, fellow Yorgo. Oh. He needs to get his language skills sorted out. He definitely does. Tiago can't keep translating for us. He's got one more year for doing that. Exactly. <laughs> right, guys, listen. Thanks for watching. Please like the show. Please subscribe and listen. Hit the bell icon and we'll see you guys all very, very soon. See you later. See ya. Podcast Network.